Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hi, everyone. Marcel here. Before today's episode, I want to tell you about a new show that we are loving at Witch Please Productions, the Culture Study Podcast with Anne Helen Peterson. If you don't already know it, I'm convinced that you're about to fall in love with a new podcast. And this is coming from me, Marcel, someone who famously doesn't really listen to podcasts. Culture Study is a podcast about exploring the nooks and crannies of the culture that surrounds us. Each week, Anne and a super smart co-host will answer listeners' questions about the stuff they find interesting and perplexing, like, why do clothes suck now? And is Paw Patrol copaganda or is it not that deep? And like, what's the deal with everyone I know getting a divorce? Just like Anne's tremendously popular newsletter of the same name, Culture Study Podcast is funny, insightful, and kind of weird. And it's guaranteed to help you become the most interesting person at parties. Listen to the Culture Study Podcast every Wednesday, wherever you get your shows. Who knows? Maybe you'll recognize some guests in the coming months. Hey, folks. We decided to drop a very special bonus into the main feed this week. Our Barbie by Petrocapitalism episode was so fun to record in anticipation of Greta Gerwig's blockbuster hit. But then, of course, we simply had to talk about the film itself. (laughs) Thanks to all of you who wrote in with your questions. As always, you blew us away with your thoughtfulness and specificity. As you're about to hear, we had an absolute ball answering you. And Marcel coined a term I will simply never forget. Do you mean when I said the somnambulance of the kingdom? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I mean. <laughs> okay, well, you too can listen for it as you enjoy part one of a very long conversation between me and Hannah about Barbie the movie. Hello and welcome to a special Material Girls mini-sode, a version of our Patreon-exclusive Witch Please Tell Me episodes, only this time we're only answering your questions about Barbie, the Greta Gerwig film she co-wrote with Noah Baumbach. I'm Hannah McGregor. I'm Marcel Cosman. And we're, we're going to take some questions. I say I sound like some like somebody's about to call in. <laughs> listeners. Uh hello. Uh long time listener. First time caller. 
Sorry, I shouldn't I shouldn't fuck around because coach specifically asked us to record for 40 minutes max and yeah. we know that this is serious because max is in all caps. So, yeah, that's a serious max. Okay, so the first question is Marcel, did you like the Barbie movie? I loved the Barbie movie. I have I've seen it twice now. I went uh I went once on a hot date with my good friend Todd where somebody asked if we wanted a picture together and I very <laughs> intelligently and heteronormatively explained that we were not a couple. And then Todd had to remind me that friends were allowed to take pictures together. <laughs> and then the second time was today when I took I took my beautiful child who is currently knocking at the door. Okay. So you took that that cute mm-hmm. kid yeah. to Barbie. So I saw it so I, I saw it a second time today. So it's it's fresh. It's real fresh. Oh incredible. Yeah, I, I I loved it. I don't even know where to start. You tell me. Did you did you enjoy it? Did you enjoy the film? I really enjoyed it. First and foremost, I thought it was incredibly mm-hmm. funny in a way I absolutely had not anticipated. Like the joke density was much mm-hmm. higher mm-hmm. than I was expecting in this movie, and much more surprising and the humor was more surprising and more subversive and more weird Mm -hmm. than I thought that it was going to be like it didn't have a sort of mainstream comic humor it had a really sort of quirky campy kind of sense of humor that was like queerer than I expected so that was sort of my first and foremost Mm -hmm. thing was that I thought it was like beautifully campy and so funny i love the design but that's part of the beautiful campiness of it for me is it's like no cgi no cgi it feels like like a profoundly femme wes anderson kind of vibe (laughs) sometimes and i thought it was at its strongest when it stayed in those realms and at its weakest when it attempted to like turn to face the camera and make a feminist statement. Those moments actually made me feel awkward. Like I felt kind of embarrassed for the movie <laughs> in those mm-hmm. scenes. I was like, oh, honey, oh, no, 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 don't do this. But then it would do something like the fucking All Ken Dream Ballet. Oh and I would be like, this movie's brilliant. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's brilliant. And then there are these moments where it seems like it feels like it needs to do some kind of work that feels at odds with the rest of the film to me. And I think that's an interesting thing to dig down on. Like, what are the sort of levels at which the feminism of the film is attempting to operate? And like, where is it more and less successful or more and less interesting? Yeah, I think that is that is so that is so interesting. I have a theory for why the capital F like overt feminism stuff is kind of uncomfortable and maybe unsatisfying. And my theory is that that's part of the satire that it is mm. a film that satirizes on multiple levels. And so, ah, oh, it's really interesting. So, like, as a mainstream film, you can watch it and think, like, this is satirizing real life and the patriarchy, but it's also satirizing like mainstream feminism and like the type of feminism that has allowed the Barbie movie to even exist as a film. Yeah. So the way that like America Ferrera does 
the speech and then everybody's like, wow, that single impassioned speech totally deprogrammed me. Now let's kidnap women one at a time, give them a single impassioned speech about feminism. They will be immediately deprogrammed by our effective rhetoric and we can take back control. You're right. (laughs) That is. (laughs) It's so, it's so smart. It's Ah. so smart. I mean, the other thing, and I think this will this will come up a lot in um in the questions. The other thing we've got to talk about is the fact that Mattel funded this movie. But I kind of want to like put that to the side for the moment because I think we're going to talk about it a lot in the questions and spend more time with it. Sort of like aesthetics as a work of art. One of my favorite things that it was doing was producing a sort of camp heterosexual masculinity through like a very deliberate evoking of these like visual tropes that managed to be both like firmly rooted in heterosexual masculinity mm-hmm. while also being so fucking oh, gay. Totally. Totally. Right? Like the fur coat with no shirt mm-hmm. under and the horses, the fact <laughs> that in the background it's of every horses. scene with the Kens, there is just a huge fucking screen with horses running on it like like so so gay so gay and so like just perfectly for me walking the line of like pointing out how profoundly queer and campy masculinity Mm -hmm. is Mm -hmm. oh oh my god totally okay okay I want, I have, I have so, I have, I have so many things that I want to say. It's over, it's overwhelming. It's overwhelming. Can I just like read you my screed? <laughs> yes, I want, I want your screed. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. So, so getting back to satire, okay? Mm-hmm. Barbie land feels good for the Barbies because it functions in the same way that patriarchal capitalism functions, except that Barbies are the ones with the hegemonic power. And this makes sense because Barbie is a product of patriarchal capitalism. So her entire universe exists to make money, right? Like as products. So like she has many jobs because that way you can buy many Barbies. She has many cars, so you can buy many cars. She has many homes, friends, Etc. All of these things, outfits, outfits. These all exist to make money for Mattel. The Kens do not have rich interior lives or clear senses of self, but neither do most of the Barbies. Like if we put pressure on it, they also do not have like strong senses of self beyond their roles. And the movie kind of suggests that this is because. Barbie's sense of self depends on who's playing with her, right? And so then the kids who are playing with the Barbies, they also live under patriarchal capitalism. So the rich interiority of Barbie land is only ever going to be surface level, okay? So, for example, stereotypical Barbie, our hero of the film, she doesn't even have the self-awareness to tell Ken that she doesn't love him, right? It doesn't occur to her that she should, that's a level of interiority that she does not have. Like the moment she articulates an interiorized existential thought 
is the moment we become aware she's broken. Totally. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And and even though even though the version of Barbie Land that we are presented with is I would say capital D diverse, all of the Barbies are horrified by her physical transformations, right? So even the diversity, multiculturalism, etc. of Barbie Land is only what's allowed under patriarchal capitalism. And I would argue cishet white supremacist patriarchal capitalism, right? So the introduction of patriarchy to Barbie land only provides surface level changes to their society. It doesn't fundamentally reorganize the social stratification of men and women. It just kind of treats every night like boys night. Right. And mm-hmm. so because before every night was girls exactly, night. Exactly. Exactly. And so it's like, oh, OK, well, it's boys night for a long weekend. That's kind of like that's sort of it. And so this is this, I think, is why the Barbies can be saved from what I would like to call the somnolence of the kingdom, because their society's barely been altered. <laughs> if I didn't already love you <laughs> with my entire heart, the phrase somnolence of the kingdom would have really sealed the deal. <laughs> oh, thank you, Hannah. I can't. <laughs> listening to you articulate that phrase in those fucking pink mesh half gloves is this is the future <laughs> liberals want. I, that I, a liberal, want. So... Final thing I want to say, and then it's and then it's all just it's all just gonna be, you know, whatever, whatever comes out. The Kens are no more able to articulate their desires and wants under the patriarchy than they were under, if you will, the barbiarchy, because patriarchy is bad for men. And so it doesn't make them any happier. Our lead Ken doesn't get what he wants. What he wants is Barbie's affection, but that's because that's what he thinks he wants. That's what he's supposed to want. He doesn't, he, you know, he doesn't know himself. Patriarchy's bad for men. The Barbiearchy is bad for everybody. Patriarchy's bad for everybody. And because uh, the Barbiearchy is the Barbiearchy is patriarchy, except that the Barbies are the hegemonic power. Yeah, it's just reverse patriarchy, which is what white feminism often is, which is why it's not real feminism, because actual feminism is a fundamental transformation to the social order. Exactly. Not a reversing of who's in power. That's right. And so that's why I think this movie is so deeply subversive on multiple levels, even though Mattel funded it and is one of the producers, Mm. even though it's a mainstream movie, even though in the theater, people were laughing at the at the jokes. People were laughing, like not at weird, awkward times. They were laughing at the right times, but only at, you know, one level of, I know, I don't know Mm, who. I mean, this is where it gets tricky, right? As soon as we start to say, like, okay, it's profoundly subversive. For whom? Because if it's subversion hidden under a layer of a movie that people can just sort of get on board with and laugh at all the right times, then where where happeneth the subversion? Mm -hmm. And how subversive is it ever 
to make a Barbie movie funded by Mattel. Yeah. 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 Right. So like there's this this like part of what I find really evocative about thinking about this movie is the fact that you and I had a conversation with the campers at camp about whether or not the camp aesthetic is possible in the 21st century under late capitalism when we can't think about objects exclusively in terms of their surfaces because we are like we are profoundly locked within an awareness of how things are made where they are coming from the ways in which we are destroying the planet with these things right that like surfaces and taking ironic pleasure in the mass produced really hits different in 2023 and this is like so many aspects of this felt like camp, like ironic pleasure in the mass produced, a play of surfaces, a like a complex series of mirrors reflecting back and forth between satire and non-satire in a way that like the whole point is the play of signification where you like can never quite land. And that's about the pleasure of surfaces. Like it's so camp, but like, what do we do with camp when the ocean is choked with plastic? My theory is that movies can't fix things. Mm-hmm. And so, like, there are so many pleasurable things about this film, and it is not a it is not a tool to correct anything. It's just, it's just a movie. Remember when the Lady Ghostbusters came out and people were like really, uh, myself included, like, you know, kind of bothered that it still fell into some like pretty tired tropes, including like all of the main characters or all of the, all of the educated characters are white and then our working class character is black, for example. And like, it feels unfair that movies marketed towards women need to be so much more perfect in order to be capital G good than movies marketed to men. And so... Undeniably. Undeniably. And so I feel like this movie is such a solid example of, of like, there's no shortage of levels. And at the end of the day, it's still a piece of entertainment that is paid for by Mattel. So here's the thing about that is... I was reading um, Hope Rehack's newsletter. Uh, subscribe now. I think it's called Things Hope is Obsessed With. I think. Maybe? I think. I think that's that. Does that yes, sound right? That sounds. That sounds. Um, or things I'm obsessed with. Uh, Hope's current obsessions. Maybe. Hope's current obsessions. I'm not sure. Got listen, listen, listen. Hope. Coach put it in the show notes. <laughs> um, but she had included a link in there to Anne Helen Peterson's piece about Barbie and Oppenheimer. Mm-hmm. And the mass cultural event. And her basic point was like, there is an ongoing power in what constitutes the mass cultural event because we have so little monoculture left mm-hmm. that when we think of like, what's something that's for everybody, mm-hmm. that then becomes one of our very few shared texts mm-hmm. and shared cultural events. 
when we think about what's made as though it's for everybody, it's actually made, and this is this is Peterson's argument, it's actually made for teenage boys. Oh, interesting. Okay. Like she explains that it's this like four quadrant thinking that's like men won't watch things targeted towards women, but women will watch things targeted towards men. Mm-hmm. And teenagers won't watch things targeted towards adults, but adults may watch things targeted towards teenagers. Okay. So to hit the largest possible Venn diagram of viewers, you just target everything towards male teenagers, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is why every movie is a Marvel movie now. Gotcha. That makes... Because that's who you target everything at. Mm-hmm. And she was like, there's really something to be said for a movie that is so solidly fucking targeted at women Mm -hmm. to be a mass cultural event in the way that this one is definitely definitely and part of the point there is that mass cultural events like shared texts are a thing we collectively use to work through ideas and solve problems as people Mm -hmm. like it's not the text's job to fix things it's a thing that we use to think with yes yeah because it's our job to actually do the things and so the things that we've had as a shared text to think with lately have been fucking Marvel movies yeah. over and over and over again. <laughs> and right now we've got this incredible mass event that claimed its status as a mass event from the beginning. Totally. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's part of what have made people be like, ooh, Barbie versus Oppenheimer. Mm-hmm. It's like the daringness of this girl movie to position itself as on equal footing to Christopher Nolan. Mm-hmm. Like how fucking dare you? This is a serious movie. I I got to I got to tell you I have seen Oppenheimer come up so much in my newsfeed in connection to Barbie. You don't know what it is? I did I I have only <laughs> learned what it is in seeing people's critiques of the movie. And I just yeah. think that that is so funny. And it's it does not speak to my worldliness in the least. It speaks entirely to my, oh, fuck. What's it called when you speak into the void? Um, the thing that Gabby your, said wrong. Your, <laughs> your echo chamber. My echo chamber. Yeah, 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 yeah. I just, I just live in my own echo chamber. Uh, sick yeah. burn, <laughs> Gabby. <laughs> anyway, yeah. We love Gabby. (laughs) Simply can't get enough. But like the second Ryan Gosling was cast, Barbie showed up in my newsfeed because I am a basic bitch at my core. And they were like, you know who, you know who we need to cast in order to get the basic bitches? This guy. It's so funny to me because I, I don't think of him as the man of basic bitches, but like, I guess the notebook really (laughs) established him in that role. Mm -hmm. But I still think like, I think Ryan Gosling's kind of a little weird looking like a Chris. He's, he's not a Chris. That's true. He's not a Chris, you know, like he's not a generic white hunk. He's not a Marvel. Like he wouldn't play Captain America. Like, it just feels kind of campy when he does it. Whereas if Chris Pratt had done it, (laughs) it wouldn't, there would have been nothing campy about it, it, right? It would have been, like, just so profoundly heterosexual. So, like, Ryan Gosling for me is, like, not the basic choice for Ken. Okay. It's an interesting choice. Whereas Margot Robbie is a basic fucking choice for Barbie. Definitely. And the movie points that out, which I definitely enjoyed no you don't think so that was another moment where i was kind of like 
oh, I thought, do we need to, what happened to that narrator? She was there I for know. <laughs> almost none. She, the narrator, Helen Mirren, felt like studio notes to me. Definitely. Yeah. The narrator was giving studio notes. Yeah. I'm not sure. Like that is one point on which I'm like, well, that's what they're trying to do with stereotype Barbie. But like the actual, like breaking the fourth wall to be like, we get it. Margot Robbie is hot. I felt a little, a little ham fisted to me. I thought it was so funny. <laughs> I lolled. <laughs> I lolled, Hannah. <laughs> you know what? I probably lolled as well. Okay, here's a great question from funny feminist philosopher. Mm -hmm. Did Gerwig just make a two-hour-long ironic commercial for Barbie? I cannot speak for the author. That is my whole thing. Not interested nor will I speak for the auteur, <laughs> but... The auteur is as dead as the author. Indeed. I have this imaginary conversation in my head where Gerwig is like, oh, you want me to make a movie for you about Barbie? And it's basically just an ad? Okay, sure. I'll do that. Give me your money. That's, that's my... Yeah, so kind of, yeah. 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 <laughs> because... Why not? I think of this movie as being genre-defining because, which is, I know, maybe a bold statement for someone who doesn't have a film degree, but um, <laughs> I just feel like we are at such a, we're just at such a weird point in our society, in our place in mm. capitalism. We are all so aware of capitalism. Like, it's not weird to bring up capitalism. Like, people don't roll their eyes. Maybe they do. I don't know. But in my echo chamber, nobody rolls their eyes when somebody brings up capitalism. And so it's sort of, it feels sort of like, like, this is the step beyond there's no ethical consumption under capitalism. It's also there's no ethical production under capitalism. So oh, give us your money. Well we're going to fucking Marcel, do it. you are fucking on one tonight. <laughs> Oh, thank you, Anna. That's so nice of you to say. <laughs> oh, God. my God. You're on fire. Oh, jeez. Thank you. <sighs> now I'm embarrassed. I'm going to stop talking. <laughs> hey, Hannah, what scene or moment made you laugh out loud the most? Okay. I'm trying to Google it because I'm not, I can't, I can't remember if I have the word right, but when... Ken asks Barbie on a date and Barbie says yes. And he gets really excited and excuses himself for a moment and goes back into the Casa. Mojo Dojo Casa House. Thank you. And he shouts sublime. 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 Mm -hmm. That like broke me. Like I think I <laughs> cried a bit when he yelled sublime so funny uh what about you i don't know what it was the first time i can't remember i just spent so much of that movie just being delighted like laugh out loud delighted by everything but this the when i watched it today it was when andrew dinkins or whoever he is the mattel the the like lower level mattel employee mm -hmm. so so barbie is there in the boardroom and she's trying to find a woman employee or a woman like an important woman head of something and he looks up at will ferrell he's like i'm a man with no power does that make me a woman and i laughed so hard <laughs> and elliot was like what What's funny? I, like, I can't. 
you'll understand when you're older, sweetie. A scene where Barbie tells the cat callers that she doesn't have any genitals. <laughs> and then and Ken then he says he has all of them. All the genitals. <laughs> it's so, it's so, oh my God. It's so yeah. funny. It's so funny. Really fucking, really fucking good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, Man, mm-hmm. the fact that Weird Barbie is always doing the splits. Oh, totally. Mm-hmm. And that when, like, America Ferrera is like, I had a Weird Barbie. And Weird Barbie's like, yeah, you did. <laughs> <laughs> There's so much queer subtext in this movie. Oh, my oh. God. Okay. Okay. All right. Oh. Well, you know what? That's a question that I think that Coach had. One sec. I've done, I've copied these questions over in truly the most chaotic way. Uh, yeah, this is a question from Coach. Why wasn't it gayer? Uh, because, because of the patriarchy. So speaking of movies as mass cultural events, mm-hmm. there are still a bunch of countries globally where if you put any visible queer content, it will get cut out. Mm-hmm. And so when you are thinking about making a feminist film for a global audience or a queer film for a global audience, Mm -hmm. you've got to use a vocabulary of politics that won't get censored. Totally. Which, which is, you know, an interesting artistic challenge. Mm -hmm. But when I think about like as a work of queer cinema, for example, like there's no way queer kids around the world are not, rallying around this movie it's unbelievably queer mm-hmm. in its aesthetic yeah and its sensibility yeah which you know as a reminder camp is a sensibility mm-hmm. and that is that allows it to become a touch point for queer youth potentially in countries where they they couldn't see it if it had boys kissing totally that makes so much sense it makes me think of the fact that Beyonce's song Blow from her self-titled album, Beyonce, does not have an explicit rating, even though it is explicitly about cunnilingus. The entire song is about, like, I can't wait for you to get home and tear that cherry out. Yeah, but if you don't use the word. Exactly. It is impossible to miss. Yeah. Except, I guess, by the censors, because... Because they're looking for specific language. They're not interpreting. It's probably AI. Let's be real. It's always a really effective tactic when you're trying to spread a subversive message in a hostile environment to hide it under a layer of interpretation. Because it requires, like, interpretation is like the key code <laughs> that you use that you crack to get the secret message. Yeah. 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 That's why that's why that's why close reading matters. Can you imagine listening to the song Blow and not knowing that it's about eating pussy? Like I can't. Oh my god. I can't. Oh my god. Oh, okay. The other thing that made me cry, cry laugh. Laugh cry. Laugh like cry and laugh until I cry. Mm-hmm. The use of the matchbox twenty. Oh fuck. Pitch. Oh my god. Oh my god, it was Jesus so Christ. funny. Perfect. It was perfect. Perfect. I know. I know. I loved it. Thanks for tuning in to this special Material Girls bonus episode. 
We're hoping to do more mini episodes like this, so stay tuned. Next week, we'll release a brand new episode of Material Girls, a full-length one. But until then, why not head over to Patreon and consider supporting us for as little as, uh, you know, $5 a month. U.S. $5 USD. It's like $7 Canadian. You'll get access to the second half of this conversation and so many other perks. Hannah, do you have a favorite perk? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, my favorite perk is for sure, uh, which please tell me, which we may or may not be renaming Material Concerns. (laughs) What's your favorite? (laughs) My favorite perk is definitely the bloopers, because I forget how frankly, funny, we are until I get to listen to them again, just strung together. Oh, it's art. Yeah, great point. We're very funny. Go to Patreon and find out for yourself. This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.,